You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. How must we respond in times of fear? Learn about it in this week two message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are um, uh, on a journey uh, talking about when questions are answers. And this is the second installment. And this is basically the questions that Jesus asked the disciples. Actually, if you would summarize the whole gospel and how many questions Jesus asked, there are probably about 135 to 150 questions that he asked, and we're just merely focusing on four. And so last week, we talked about the question that Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? Okay, and so today we are uh, looking at this question, why are you so afraid? Sino sa inyo natatakot minsan-minsan? Alright. Okay, patay natin yung ilaw. Kung subukan natin ngayon. Okay, no, just, okay, just kidding. Alright. You know, uh, I believe that all of us have some sort of fear in our lives uh, in different categories. Uh, maybe some of you fear heights, some of you fear, I don't know, the dark or fear, uh, whatever. Okay, there's uh, different kinds of fears. Uh, if you look at the dictionary, it was basically dis- uh, defined as uh, a distressing emotion aroused by an impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether the threat is real or imagined. And many times the fear that we have are just imaginary fears. In fact, one particular preacher defined fear with an acronym F E A R. That says, a false expectation appearing real. And sometimes the fear that we have are not founded. You know, like for example, maybe this morning you woke up with a backache and the devil is mentioning to you, cancer na yan. You know, something like that. You know, you know it's, it's unfounded. And the, the, the devil actually is a good liar. He, he speaks to us and he, he puts fear in our hearts. Uh, fear is also known as uh, this uh, particular word, phobia. Hey, how many of you are familiar with the word phobia? Now, as I was uh, doing my research on this particular word, I found out that there are not just a few phobias, but actually hundreds, if not thousands, of phobias. Uh, in fact, some of the phobias that I found out uh, right there in the internet, okay? One particular phobia is called ablutophobia. Do you know what that is? Fear of taking a bath, okay? So I uh, look at the person beside you and check out if that person has a blutophobia, okay? Uh, some have what you call acousticophobia, which is uh, from the word acoustic, uh, fear of noise, okay? There are, there's a certain fear, acrophobia. How many of you have fear of heights? Anybody here who've got fear of heights? Okay, yung pagkatumihin ka sa baba, you know, like for example, if you go up in uh, the 31st floor of Vivere, okay, there's a new restaurant there, not really new, it's uh, newly renovated, we were there the other day, and we were, you know, me and my wife and uh, uh, Pastor Mike Gayata, who's now newly engaged and is about to get married. Uh, we just had a double date, and we were up there on the 31st floor of Mount, of, of Mount Vivere, of uh, Vivere, and man, it was scary. You know, just uh, you're you're looking from the ledge, and there's like a glass, and it seems like you're hanging on air. How many of you can do that? Okay, it's called acrophobia. There's another kind of phobia. That uh, is called agliophobia, which is the fear of pain. Okay, another one is the fear of riding a car. How many of you don't want to ride cars? Okay, it's called amaxophobia. Rather than riding a car, you'd rather take a tricycle, okay, or maybe a cab, or maybe a bus, okay. 
uh, card, card din pala, card yun, no? or a fear of floods, antiophobia, or check out this fear. Fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Okay? It's called arachibutirophobia. Wow, haba ng pangalan na yun, ano? I'm not really sure if this is genuine, but how many of you fear the peanut butter sticking uh, up at the roof of your mouth? Anybody here? Or maybe jelly A's, or maybe, uh, I don't know, cheese whiz, or, you know. Uh, now, this is a very unique fear. It's called autophobia, and it's, it's a fear of yourself. Can you imagine? You wake up in the morning, huh, huh, huh. I, I don't want to live a life like that. <laughs> you know, fearing yourself every single day, you see yourself in the mirror. <laughs> and maybe the reason why you fear yourself is because you have this phobia. The next one is called cacophobia. You know what that phobia is? It's fear of ugliness. So maybe you realize, whoa, bleh, and then you, you face yourself in the mirror, whoa. <laughs> Uh, then look at the person beside you right now. Ah, ka. <laughs> Tell that person, I do not have cacophobia. Okay? It's fear of ugliness. The opposite of that, I think, is caligenophobia, which is a fear of beautiful women. And why will you fear beautiful women? How many beautiful women do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. Come on now. Woo! Ayaw pa magtaas. Okay. Now, there's another kind of fear which is called ecclesiophobia. Can you guess what that is? Fear of, fear of coming to church. Ecclesiophobia. How many of you have a vacant seat beside you? Maybe that person has ecclesiophobia. Okay, yung absent ngayon. Okay? They decided not to come to church today. Okay, or this phobia is called obesophobia. Can you get, guess what that is? From the word obese. Okay? Ah, fear of gaining weight or fear of fat. Okay, how many of you have that kind of phobia? Okay? Obviously, I don't. Okay? Uh, and then there's this fear, fear of heaven. Can you imagine of all fears? You fear heaven, it's called uranophobia. Uranophobia. I don't know, maybe this one loves to go to hell or something. Uh, and then uh, one last fear I, I saw in the internet is what you call plutophobia, which is a fear of wealth. Can you imagine? How many of you don't like to be blessed? Anybody here? Now, how many of you like to be blessed? Okay? We don't have plutophobia. All right? Obviously, you don't have that plutophobia. And uh, we're talking about fear. And uh, the statement or the, the question of the Lord that he asked the disciples um, was his statement, why are you so afraid? Okay? In fact, there's a uh, game show that's being shown right now on AXN. It's called uh, Total Black. I'm not su- really sure if you've watched that. I, I saw a few episodes. And uh, this game show is actually uh, you know, when the contestants are asked to guess an item or a thing. And what they have to do is to taste, to feel, or to smell or to walk from point A to point B in pitch black, total darkness. You can't see anything. The reason why you can actually see that is because the camera has a night vision. Okay? But it's pitch black, and you, you know, one particular uh, episode is one man sticking his hand in an empty aquarium, and you know, what's inside there is just a pineapple. But yet, because you can't see it, and you, know, you feel the... Wah, wah, wah. You know, it's amazing, you know. You know, he's probably thinking that he's touching a porcupine or maybe something like, you know, that's a, a monster. 
because you can't see it. And once you, once you don't see anything, how many of you know sometimes fear can come in? Fear of the unknown. And so these are some of the response of the contestants in total blackout. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus. And when the disciples went through a particular situation, like a storm that happened in the Sea of Galilee. Of course, we are very familiar with the recent storm that came to the Philippines. This is known to be the strongest typhoon ever recorded in human history. 300 kilometers per hour with storm surge, a.k.a. tsunami. Can you imagine that? This is actually the size of the storm. If you check out the size of the Philippines, it's almost covering the entire nation. And that's the view from, a, uh, I think, a meteorological satellite. This is a view of an astronaut who took a, a picture of that particular storm, Typhoon Haiyan, also known as Yolanda, up there in outer space. Okay, this is probably Sandra Bullock from Gravity <laughs> taking a picture. Yeah. That's the view from up there. And this is the view from down here. And if you were in Tacloban during that day, let me, I would submit to you that you'd also probably have a lot of tense moment in fear. You'd, you'd fear your life. It was unfortunate that so many thousands lost their lives in that particular typhoon. And so we're going to be looking at that right now. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand up with me as we open up our Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, uh, beginning from verse 35. Mark 4, 35. Mark 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. So there's a, there was a convoy of boats. Verse 37 says, A furious squall or a typhoon or you know, a storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. What was he doing? Sleeping. Sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves Obey Him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank You so much for our time this evening. That As we study Your Word, may You speak to us, minister to us. If we're going through some storms in life, Lord, I pray that You would calm the storms of our hearts. And I just pray right now that You would uh, speak faith and life to everyone who would be listening to Your Word. Holy Spirit, speak to, us, to, to Your church tonight. And we open up our spiritual hearts and spiritual hear, uh, ear to, to hear Your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, there are four Gospels in the New Testament. Okay? How many of you are familiar with the four Gospels? Okay? Four Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament, right? It's Matthew, 
Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Mark, as we have read earlier, Mark is one of the three synoptic gospels. When you say synoptic, they are basically, they share stories. They have the same literary uh, style. And it's the second of the synoptic gospels. However, uh, scholars are saying that the gospel of Mark is probably the first ones written because Matthew and Luke alluded to some of the stories of Mark. But you would probably notice that if you're familiar with the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark is, you know, Mark himself as a writer is a, is a man of action. He started off right away with the baptism of Jesus. He didn't start with the virgin birth. Unlike Matthew and unlike Luke, they, they took the time to, you know, explain the coming of the angel, explaining, you know, greetings, you know, you, 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 you blessed woman of God, and so, so on and so forth. It happened in Matthew, it happened in, uh, in uh, Luke, even in John alluded to the incarnation of Christ, but not Mark. Mark went on uh, right away to start with Jesus' ministry, Jesus in action. And we see that in, in chapter 4 of the book of Mark, we've already seen a lot of things that happened in the ministry of Christ with his disciples. You would see that you know, by this time, he would have healed already the centurion servant. By this time, he would have already raised the dead uh, of uh, the, the widow of Naim. Uh, by this time, he would have casted out a demon from a man and uh, allowed them to uh, go into a herd of pigs. Okay? Now, how many of you still would like to eat pigs or pork after you've heard of that story? Okay? Uh, there's another story of a paralytic man who has uh, four friends. How many of you remember that story of this guy who cannot walk? He's got four friends, and these four friends could not even get inside the home. So what they did was they bore a hole through the roof in order to bring their friend down to where Jesus was. How many of you need friends like that? Okay, not friends who will damage property, but friends who are committed to you so that you can, they can bring you to Christ. Okay? And so on and so forth. Many demons casted out. Uh, in chapter 1 of Mark, uh, I think the, the, the mother-in-law of Peter was healed by Christ. Uh, by this time, in chapter 4, so many miracles. So many, he so many people healed, uh, demons casted out, and, and I believe Jesus wanted to reveal himself more to his disciples. And the reason why we're looking at this particular series, when questions are answers, these are not really our questions to the Lord, this is God's question to us. Jesus asking his questions to his disciples in order for him to reveal what's in their hearts and in order for them to reveal himself to him in their particular situation. Now, this particular setting happened in Galilee, in Israel. Uh, if you're familiar with Israel, uh, his, uh, the, the first activity of Christ happened in the northern part of Israel, which is Galilee. If you go down south, there's Jerusalem. So during his first uh, year, he was still in, in Galilee. And, and this particular sea is really important because this is a community of people and they heavily dependent on this particular body of water for their livelihood. In fact, because of the topography of this uh, particular sea, which happens to be a lake, not really a sea, because it's fresh water uh, in it. In it okay? uh, there's several mountains that's surrounding this. And uh, there's a mountain that is as high as Tagaytay, another mountain as high as Baguio, 
and another mountain twice the size of Baguio, which is called Mount Hermon, the one that has snow on top of it. And it's not odd for you if you're uh, inside the lake for, for cold winds to go down from the mountain and for hot air uh, inside the valley to splash together. And, and so uh, uh, it's not odd for temperature to change just like that. You know, I was, uh, it was a privilege for me to, to be able to visit uh, back in 2009, about five years ago. And I was able to visit uh, Israel. And we went to this particular sea, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I remember we were, uh, you know, boarding a boat in order to not really cross, but just to have a tour inside, I mean, uh, in the middle of the sea. And so we boarded a boat. It was so sunny. The sun was hot. So we were there. I was together with some uh, Every Nation pastors, Pastor Steve and Deborah were there with me, Pastor Joey Bonifacio and his wife Marie were there, and so, several other pastors from our Every Nation movement. So we went together. We were in that boat. When we left shore, it was hot and sunny. A few minutes later, it was pouring rain. I mean, just like that, the weather changed. And I realized that this particular thing or event that happened with the disciples can happen anytime because of the topography of the place. Now, the Sea of Galilee happens to be one of the healthiest body of water there is. One, it's the lowest lake in the world being 700 feet below sea level. Okay? There's, uh, you know, the, the algae there is a bit different. It is perfect for food, for fishes. Different uh, kinds, various kinds of fish are there. And one of the more popular kind of fish is what we know as St. Peter fish, otherwise known as tilapia. And so when we went there, we were so excited. We want to taste the St. Peter's fish. Can you imagine how much the price of this fish is? I think it was about $20 for one particular piece. I said, that's three kilos already in Manila. But anyway, so... So we went there and, you know, there's a particular gimmick of this restaurant. And they said, you know, you know it's called St. Peter's Fish because remember Jesus told St. Peter, you know, I want you to have a line, you know, uh, and if you caught a fish, you check out its mouth, there are going to be two coins and you use those coins to pay for your tax and mine. And so it was called St. Peter's Fish. And so this particular restaurant said, you know, in, in case the fish that you ordered has a coin in its mouth. Your lunch is on us. And so we were excited. Come on now. So we were looking for that coin. There's no such coin. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we, we enjoyed our time. You know, it's uh, it, we, we, uh, just walking there and, and just feeling the, 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 the setting of the particular story. Okay? And from this particular uh, uh, body of water, which is the Sea of Galilee, it is actually attached to another body of water, which is called the Dead Sea. Okay, so up north is the Sea of Galilee. You would notice that there is the Jordan River that flows right in between, and it leads straight to the Dead Sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee is one of the healthiest body of water there is because it gives out to the other uh, bodies of water. But the Dead Sea is actually the deadest sea there is. The reason why it's called the Dead Sea is because of the high salinity and there's no living thing that can survive in that Dead Sea. There's no fish. There's no plankton. There's, no, there's nothing. Because if you actually go there, it's just the salinity, the saltiness is so high, it can hurt your eyes. 
and you can actually float by sitting on the water, literally. That's how dense the water is because of the salt level. Now, you know, I realize that you know, this is not really part of our lesson today, okay? but this is just uh, uh, an insight that you know, the reason why the Sea of Galilee is healthy is because of its nature of giving out. And the reason why the Dead Sea is dead is because it's always getting in. Getting in, getting in, getting in. Receiving, 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 and not giving out. Is it possible that in our Christian life, the reason why sometimes we seem to be dead is because we receive too much from the Lord and from people around us and we refuse to give out to others? That's not really part of the lesson tonight. That's just an insight, okay? But... Check out yourself. Are you a Sea of Galilee or are you a Dead Sea? Look at the person beside you and tell that person, I hope you are a Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's go ahead and dive to the lesson of the story. First lesson. Are you ready for this? Lesson number one. Okay. Storms will come. Everybody say this. Storms will come. Storms are unavoidable. Storms are inevitable. Storms are a normal part of life. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, when evening came, He said to them, what did Jesus say to them? Let us go over to the other side. And then suddenly, a furious squall came and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. you got to notice the words of Christ. What did He say? To the other Side. He said, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, let us go under the middle of the sea. Thus, they were, you know, somehow, I believe it was the Lord who planned this in the first place. And how many of you know that if God tells us something and if we obey, we're going to be blessed? Isn't that the principle of the Lord? That, you know, like, for example, if you read the book of Deuteronomy 28, you know, and these are blessings and curses. Blessings if you obey, curses if you disobey, Right? If we are, if we're obedient uh, to the to the promises of the or the to the commands of God, we will be blessed. And it was it was the Lord Himself who said, "Let us go over to the other side." Of course, the disciples said, "Oi, tara, sakaina." You know, you know, they're probably excited because it was the Lord, you know, ex- inviting them. Let's go over. Let's board this boat and let's just take a trip. Let's take a tour of the Sea of Galilee. Of course, these are a bunch of fishermen who are so used to this part of Israel. They're there every day. You know, Peter, James, John, their livelihood is fish. They live across the Sea of Galilee. But one thing that is interesting about this particular story is a a sudden squall, a storm, a typhoon just appeared in the middle of the lake. And for some reason... I was wondering why these expert fishermen were scared. I mean, they're used to the climate. They're used to the place. They know probably the ins and outs of this particular sea. But yet, I don't know, maybe it's the wind in that that thing. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the wind is 250 kilometers per hour. I don't know. It's probably a strong typhoon. Thus, they were... So scared. And they seem to feel like, Lord, don't, don't, don't you care for us? And so we're going to look at that later on. So it's a furious squall. You know, storms will come. 
How many of you have gone through some storms, serious storms in your life? Can you please raise your hand? Okay, continue raising up your hand. How many of you have gone through storms in your life, whether it's health, uh, family, marriage, uh, job, finances? Please raise your hand, okay? Okay, all right, that's about maybe 90% of you. Don't worry, for the rest of you, storms will come to you, okay? <laughs> it will come. Let me promise you that, okay? Uh, don't think that you're exempt from this. Every one of us will go through storms. It's almost called the, you know, it's, it's called the, 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 the doctrine of common grace. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that God sends rain to both the righteous and the unrighteous. He lets His sun shine on both the wicked and the righteous. And so guess what? In the, in the same way, storms will come whether you're righteous or you're wicked. But the question is, how do we respond when storms come? You know, do we view storms as a punishment from the Lord or do we view storms as a way of God revealing Himself more to us? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Everybody say, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. So in other words, sabi ni Peter, huwag ka na magulat. Bro, huwag ka na magulat. If there's a storm happening in your life, guess what? You're normal. Don't be surprised if it, as if it's strange. Some of us are going through some financial storms right now. Some of you are going through some relational storms. Some of you are going through some storms in your marriage. Maybe storms dealing with your children. Maybe a storm in your career. or Maybe a storm in your business. Maybe some of you are going through some storms in your physical body. You've, you've asked the Lord, Lord, may this be taken away from me, but yet it's still there. It tarries. But yet, Peter has a different viewpoint or perspective when it comes to storms. Don't think of it as a strange event or happening in your life. View it as something that's normal. It's a part of life. And may we grow in it. You know, yesterday as I was uh, preparing for this message, I was in the office and two of my friends who are members of this church just walked in. You know, they were saying hi. And, you know, they actually walked in different times. Uh, I guess the first one was attending the church uh, last night. Um, this guy happens to be uh, somebody who's sick of cancer. He, they found out uh, cancer uh, at the back of his um, nasopharyngeal membrane, okay? if, I, if I got that right. Many uh, months before, he was diagnosed with that. But as he was diagnosed, well, one thing that I admire about this man is he did not give up on God. Because he knew that God's not going to give up on him. So he said, I'm going to go through this particular treatment with faith in my heart. I know that God will deliver me in this. He had an operation. He went through several chemo uh, therapy and radiation therapy. And guess what? He said after a few months, he went back to the doctor and the doctor declared him to be clear from cancer cells. Amen. God is an amazing God. And I said, you know what, bro, I'm, I'm just so blessed to know, to know you. And in fact, he said, I, I know that God's calling me to full-time ministry. And so he's responding to God's call. A few minutes later, I, I saw another guy walk in the office, and he's the worship 
one of our worship leaders in our church here in Alabang. And about a couple of months ago, they found out that he has brain tumor. And he's barely 40. He's got three young boys. And, um, you know, when he received the news, of course, uh, the family was devastated. But when I saw him, he was just up in his spirits. In fact, when he was operated, as he was going to the, uh, you know, on his way to the operating table, he was singing worship unto the Lord. Can you imagine? And, you know, he was not minding what's about to happen because he knew that his God is a powerful God able to to heal him. He was still cracking jokes despite his situation. And I just showed you two, two situations of two men in our church who's going through some serious storms in their life. And I believe the reason why they're going through this storm is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice. And I've never seen any, even a hint of complaint or doubt in their heart when they were talking to me. In this you greatly rejoice. So now... For a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds. Everybody say, all kinds. All kinds of trials. And the Apostle Peter was saying this, not just one. It's almost like saying, but wait, there's more. You know, you know, it's, you know when I went through our, you know, our, our deal as a family, when I lost my son 10 years ago, you know, I was really asking the Lord, you know, that was some of the most difficult painful experience that I've gone through losing a son through TB meningitis. And yet, after that, I realized that as long as you're alive, trials and storms will still come. And what's the purpose of this? He continued on in verse 7. He said, this had, have come so that your faith, look at the person beside you and tell the person, your faith, your faith, so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even through, though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Storms will come. Storms are inevitable. Storms are unavoidable. But the good news is this. Lesson number two. Jesus is with us to calm the storm. Amen. And He was in the boat together with the disciples. And the picture was, you know, there was a mighty storm, and there was Jesus in the boat. And what's, what, what was Jesus doing? Yun, tulog. Okay. Now, how many of you sometimes feel that God is sleeping on you? You know, you're, you've been praying, Lord, pray, I'm going to pray, and I've been asking you to, you know, answer this particular concern, and yet I feel, you feel like God may be taking a nap. Or maybe God is not listening to you. Or maybe God is not focusing His attention on you because He's busy elsewhere. Guess what? Jesus is in the boat with you through that storm. You know, there are two reasons why the disciples ought not to be afraid. First, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. It was Jesus himself who said that. He was the one who declared, I intend to bring you from point A to point B. I intend to bring you safely to the other side. And secondly, he was in the boat. The man that they were working with for the, for the past, I don't know how many months, or maybe at least more than a year, the man who healed the sick, raised up the dead, the, you know, casted out demons, this same man, who is God, was with them in the boat. And yet Jesus 
when they saw, when they saw him, Lord, tulog. Kumakanta pa sila ng kanta ni Gary, natutulog ba ang Diyos? For them, probably that's a reality. You know, they see this Jesus. Yeah, you're powerful, but Lord, you're, you're asleep. And what did, they, what did they say? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Imagine with me for a moment. How did the disciples tell, it, tell this to the Lord? Do you think they approached the Lord and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Do you think they approached the Lord that way? You know, it was stormy. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I don't think so. I guess their tone is a bit rapid. Lord! Too long! Don't you care if we drown? Of course, I'm overemphasizing it. But probably they're desperate. Teacher, don't you care? And what did Jesus say? What did Jesus do when he heard his disciples crying out to him? He stood up and he said, what? Quiet! Be still. Have you ever had a deep sleep and somebody woke you up? I mean, how how many of you have experienced that? You're in deep sleep. And then... So I was trying to imagine what the Lord was doing... He spoke, quiet, busy. I'm not sure if he said quiet to the storm or quiet to his disciples. Quiet! I'm not sure if what he said was to them instead of to the storm. But I guess it worked. When he woke up, he stood up, said those words, quiet, be still. This particular word, still comes from the word to muzzle. Do you know what to muzzle is? Do you know, you know when you have a, even you have a dog, and when you put a muzzle on the dog, it's to prevent that dog from biting. To muzzle the storm or to muzzle the wind. Basically, the Lord spoke, quiet, be still. And everybody, everything was calm, including his disciples. Now they were the ones asking, Anyare? <laughs> because from a mighty squall now to a very serene lake. Now, how did that happen? God has the ability to calm the sea and also to calm the hearts of the disciples that are full of fear and are full of unbelief. Amen. And many times when we come to the Lord, Lord, can I really do this? Is this really possible? Maybe some of you are believing for a breakthrough in the area of your finances. Maybe some of you are single, believing God, Lord, can this really be, can this really happen that you will provide for, you know, a wife or a husband for me someday? You know, is it really possible? Maybe some of you are married and you're asking, Lord, Lord, can you really provide for a child for us? So on and so forth. Maybe you're here, you're sick, and you're asking the Lord, Lord, is it really possible? And sometimes fear and doubt can come in. That's why the Lord asked the disciples these two questions. First question that He asked, why are you so afraid? Second question that He asked was what? Do you still have no faith? I mean, that particular question speaks about maybe almost like a small frustration in the heart of the Lord. Because after walking with me all this time, you still don't trust me? 
And I was with you. I was with you. You, you saw how I casted out those demons from this particular guy and it all went to the pigs. You know, I, how I healed this paralytic, how I raised this young man from the dead, and so on and so forth. Do you still have no faith? And I realize that fear and faith cannot really mix. If you have fear, sometimes it can eat out the faith that you have in the Lord. The good thing is this. You don't, have, you don't need to have a big faith to put in a strong God. Amen. All you have to have is a small faith and you put it in a big God. And that is what matters most. Amen. If we have a small faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, be removed, it will done, be done for you. Because the more important thing is not the amount or the size of our faith. The more important thing is the object of our faith. Where do you put your faith into? And if you have the Lord with you, guess what? You plus God, that's the majority. That's victory, that's overcoming, that's championship right there. And the last lesson that we have as I prepare to close is storms will reveal who Jesus is. It's basically going through the storms that you will have a personal encounter who the Lord is in your life. That's why in verse 41, they were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Now for the Jews, they know that by tradition, only God can change the atmospheric pressure or you know, the elements of the earth. That only God can calm the storms. And for the first time, they were looking at Jesus and they said, we know Jesus, He can heal, He can cast out demons, but to change the storm? That's amazing. It's another revelation coming out there. You know, it would be difficult for us to know that Jesus can heal the blind unless we ourselves are blind and we are healed. It would be difficult for us to find out if Jesus can really provide unless we are hungry and broke. And then Jesus provided for us and we would be convinced, God, you are an amazing God. You can provide. You are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. It will be hard for us to imagine and to understand that Jesus can actually heal the sick unless we ourselves are sick and get well. And then we will have a revelation that He is indeed Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. As I alluded to my story earlier, when we went through this particular ordeal in my family, when we lost our son, the revelation there was not really about Jehovah Rapha, although still right now we believe that He heals and that He is a miracle-working God. But for us, it's Him being Jehovah Shalom, being the Prince of Peace. That despite the fact that this thing happened in our family 10 years ago, we lost a son through TB meningitis. It's two months of hell, so to speak, in and out of the ICU, in the midst of that particular storm. We knew Jesus was with us in the boat. We knew that He was the one speaking to our hearts, saying, quiet, be still. And He walked with us as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And until now, I'm amazed at my personal knowledge of Him as somebody that whatever storm of life that you go through, guess what? He's going to be right there in your side 
speaking straight to the storm and even to our hearts to dispel all kinds of fear and doubt and worry anxiety so that we can put our faith and trust in Him. You see, the writer Mark took the time to show the humanity of Jesus. He took the time to show and paint a picture that Jesus was tired that particular day. He just finished a whole day sermon. He was teaching on the parable of the sower and the uh, parable of the growing uh, seed and the mustard seed and so on and so forth. And he wanted to take time to rest. So the, 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 Mark, the, the writer took the time to show the humanity of Christ so that we can actually relate with Him and for Him to tell us, guess what? I know what you're going through. I have experienced the experiences that you're going through right now. But on the other hand, he's also focusing on the fact that not only is Jesus the Son of Man, but He is also the Son of God. The God who created the universe. The God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotent, and omnipresent. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, everybody say, by Him. By who? It's by Jesus that all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers, guess what? Whoever the king is in every nation, whoever the president is in a nation, guess what? It was God who helped set that up. Nothing can go through without Him saying, go. He is the one who controls everything. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Amen. That's why if you have a problem, guess what? God is totally in charge. Amen. God is in charge of your situation. Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? A very good picture that the uh, writer Mark painted is Jesus sleeping while there was a huge storm. The picture is not really to tell us that Jesus does not care, but it's a picture that tells us Jesus is in charge. He does not easily panic when storms are here. He can sleep and still speak to the waves and the winds, shut up and be still, for I am God. It is in the crisis moments that we really know who Jesus is. What is your crisis moment right now? I believe that God is allowing you to go through this crisis moment in order for Him to reveal Himself to you as God, as Rafa, as Shalom, as Shama, your victory, your banner. Lagi mo siyang kasama. As Emmanuel, the Lord is with you. Maybe you feel alone and lonely. God allows you to go through that particular time right now so that He can reveal Himself to you. And you realize that you don't put your life on relationships that is based on human relationship, but first on a God relationship. And so on and so forth. These crisis moments are being used by God in order to reveal Himself to us, who He really is. And we go through different moments. We go through different trials and storms. You know, some people may be going through some financial storm right now. Some people are probably not going through any storm right now. That's great. Just hang in there. Because it's coming. And I'm not scaring you. 
Because the reality is it will come. But the good news is Jesus is always with us in the boat. Final point is this. In Christ, our simplest faith can overcome our greatest fear. Where do you put your faith in? Do you put your faith in your faith? We cannot compare our faith with another person. You know, I have a bigger faith. I believe in God for a bigger house or, you know. It's not about that. It's putting our small faith in a big God. And I want to end with this. And then we'll come to a close. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you this thing so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have what? How many of you are in the world? Are in the world? Okay, in this world, what will happen? You will have trouble. That's a promise. How many of you don't want trouble anymore? You have to leave the world, okay? <laughs> you have to go straight to heaven right now. But as long as we're alive in this world, we will have trouble. The good news is, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Jesus overcame the world. And because He overcame, you and I will overcome. Amen. We hope you enjoyed that message. For information about services, upcoming events, and how to join a Victory Group, simply like us on Facebook.com slash Victory or inquire at www.victoryalabang.org. You can also download our Victory Alabang app on Apple and Android devices. Thank you and stay connected.